0: We all share something in common today. We've all got a birth mother. Imagine that. So happy, day to many, happy Mother's Day to many mothers out there, but I want to say a few specific things today uh, to the women who are here. For all the moms, wherever you are on the spectrum of motherhood, your church is here for you. For the future moms who desperately desire children, but you find yourself still waiting in your frustration, know that we hopefully wait with you. For the future moms who are expecting a new little one and are nervous or anxious about the unknown of motherhood, we pray for God's peace to calm your heart today. For the moms here that Mother's Day is a painful reminder of our children that we're only here for a short while and who are now with our Heavenly Father, we hurt with you. For the women here who may not have children, we believe that you have a mother's nurturing heart and that you're called to be someone's spiritual mother. We're grateful for you. For the mothers in the room whose children are adults and you have selflessly and sacrificially given decades of your life to raise children, we celebrate you and your legacy. For those of you who have been wounded by your mother or carry disappointment, or pain from your relationship with your mother, we pray for your healing. And for the moms here who are raising children as a single mother, carrying the responsibility of parenting, and for the mothers who are raising children who are not from your womb, but you love them as your own, as a stepmother, or an adoptive mother, or a foster mother, or a grandmother, all of you who have taken up that call of mother, we celebrate you, we applaud you, and we thank you. So for every mom in this room, wherever you are on your journey on this Mother's Day, and all the ones in the future, may you be blessed. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence. We're grateful for your word the power in every phrase of scripture to convict to correct and to encourage and today lord i pray that we would be inspired by your word in christ's name amen we are in this series right now called uh, dna and the idea behind this series is to talk together about the fibers that exist in the heart of this church. Who is Redeemer? What are we passionate about? And let me say first and foremost that our passions are not self-discoveries or learned behaviors that we have picked up as a church. However, our passions originate in the heart of God. Our passions are learned from Scripture, and our passions are made visible in you the people of Redeemer. They would just be passions with no action if it weren't for the church family. Last week you heard Mike and Denise share that we valued hospitality, and they opened our eyes to the fact that biblical hospitality is so much greater than just sharing a meal with someone and watching the clock for the meal to conclude. They shared a, a quote that I wanted to share again today, Amy Oden put it this way, Hospitality is not so much a singular act of welcome as it is a way and orientation that attends to otherness. Listening and learning, valuing and honoring, the hospitable one looks for God's redemptive presence in the other, confident that it is there if one only has eyes to see and ears to hear." Biblical hospitality is what we stand for as a church. Today I want to teach about family. The idea of a healthy family because as a church we believe in the organization, the institution of the family. We believe God created the family. It's his idea how he orchestrated the family. We want our families to be healthy. We want our marriages to be healthy. We want you to know that we care about your child from conception to college As you hand them off to our children's ministry, we want them to learn and grow and develop to gain an identity in Christ and understanding and knowledge of Scripture. And as they continue to grow through middle school and high school, that our high school ministry would hand them off then firm in their faith, full of faith, and ready to embrace their college career walking with Jesus. Now, when I say the word family, various things come to mind. They probably already have for you family restaurant. Some of you are thinking about that right now. Family vacation, family creed, family reunion. We're going to call a family meeting. The family of God. Some of you enjoy family discounts. You've researched your family tree. You've had family planning conversations. And you're on a family phone plan. Speaking of family phone plans, maybe you remember this Sprint commercial that was recently released. Hey mom, can Kevin Durant join our Sprint family plan? Sure, the more people we add, the more we save. Hey Kevin Durant. Hey. Well, what do you say KD? You wanna be part of my family? I would love to join, but I can't. Why not? Because I'm not really here. You're dreaming. I'm dreaming? Yep. Join a Sprint family for as low as $25 a month, and for a limited time, get a switching bonus worth up to $650. Happy connecting from Sprint. The commercial ended with Sprint's wishes for your family, didn't it? They have this big plan in place, and the goal is for happy connecting. God has this big plan in place for your family, but many of you would say right now that there is not much happy connecting going on under your roof, or with particular people in your family, your your extended family. Happy connecting just isn't the case for you. When you hear the word family, you think family feud, right? You think family drama, family disagreement, family fight. I've heard a couple quotes that might be an adequate uh, representation of your family. The quote, um, you know, I, I... smile because you are my family, but I laugh because you can do nothing about it. Or for those that would say, insanity doesn't run through my family, rather it strolls, stopping and spending time to get to know everyone personally. Maybe in your family, crazy never skips a generation. Or maybe you're the one with the sign on your wall. Remember, as far as everyone else knows, we are a nice, normal family. One kid I heard said that the Wi-Fi went out in his house and he had to talk to his parents. And he said that they seemed like nice people. Uh, this week I entered a few short statements on Google and I had heard before of the instant autocomplete suggestions, but I'd never really taken a deeper look at them. These are a reflection of what is popular and relevant based upon other searches on the internet. So I'm going to show you four autocomplete suggestions following four statements that I entered. My family, what, why is my family so crazy, so stupid, so poor? so mean to me? Why is my family so dysfunctional, so dumb, so distant, so difficult? My family is not normal, not perfect, not happy, not supportive of me. My parents don't understand me. My parents don't like me. My parents don't love me. My parents don't care about me. Author Aaron Long says that family is usually considered to be the most important agent of socialization. As infants, we're completely dependent on others to survive. Our parents, or those who play the parent role, are responsible for teaching us to function and care for ourselves. They along with the rest of our family, also teach us about close relationships, group life, and how to share resources. Additionally, they provide us with our first system of values, norms, and beliefs, a system that is usually a reflection of their own social status, religion, ethnic group, and more. So, if Aaron Long is right, and if Google's autocomplete suggestions are right, we've got a problem. We've got a challenge on our hands that our families are fractured, they're wounded, right? They're faking it till you make it, if you will. I'd like to show you three more images. The first is where you were this morning, probably. You came to church from your home, and it's in your home that your flaws are most visible. It is in your home that your inadequacies are almost expected, right? Where other family members wake up and see you, and they just expect You know, the fangs to come out. At home is where you tell loved ones, if other people knew what I see you do here. Or at home is where you feel like, if other people knew how I was at home, would they like me, accept me? This is where we have our flaws. And then this is where you came this morning. You came to worship, and you came acting like you're perfect. And you came expecting everyone else here to be perfect. Let's just submit it, right? We walk in here and we act like life is peachy. No problems. I'm perfect. I got it going on. Everybody else better be perfect too because I don't have time for imperfect people. I'm perfect. My family's perfect. No flaws here. The problem is this is our reality. When you come to church, you bring all of the flaws and inadequacies that you have in your own home and your privacy into this family of God. You bring your individual family life and collectively all of those things are represented right here, right now. And here's the message I want you to hear based upon what I've just shared. That is completely okay. There is no reason to fake it any longer because the church is a place where sick people should come. The church is a place where broken and flawed people should come. The church is a place where this broader sense of family should receive and welcome those with flaws and inadequacies. The church is a place where forgiveness and grace should flourish and abound. The church is a place where we are not judged for our issues, if you will, but we are received and welcomed and loved. That's what this church is. This church is not about a bunch of perfect people and perfect families coming in here and being perfect together in the presence of a perfect God. This church is a place where broken, fractured, hurting families who need hope and help and prayer can come and find those things. That's the purpose of church. If you are here and you're alive today, you're still under construction, and so is your family. God is still at work in your life. So if the most important agent of socialization, our families, are fractured, how do we repair them? Thank you for asking. Please turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at a passage. You can go there on your phone in your Bible or in a red Bible that's located somewhere around you or under you, and we're going to look at a passage that I believe is a blueprint for you and I to take and copy-paste off of Scripture into our families, into our homes, to build and maintain a strong, healthy family. But before I teach on this passage, what I want to do for you is I want to offer you my conclusive statement for the remainder of this sermon. And it goes like this. Love and humility strip us of our pride and lead us to promote unity, spread joy, and restore peace. I wonder when you look at that short statement, if you see words like love and humility, and you think, "I, I could use more of those in my home, in my relationships. Maybe you're thinking, my spouse could use some more humility, right? My children could use some more love. Maybe you're looking at this statement thinking, we need more unification and joy and peace in our home. Let's look at what Scripture says in verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So stop there. Paul is speaking to the early church, and he's saying, if you guys feel united, if, no matter what the numerators are, because there's a lot of numerators that are, that are very different, but if you have the common denominator of being united with Christ, if you belong in that family, then you are collectively the members of the same body. That's what God God does. He takes the diversity of humanity and forms this family, no matter what our differences are. So we are united with Christ, members of the same body. It says if if you have any comfort from his love, so if you've partaken in this everlasting love of God, which a byproduct of this given by His Spirit is comfort. If you have any fellowship with the Spirit, you know what the Spirit does? The Holy Spirit gives you a new life. The Holy Spirit gives you new gifts. The Holy Spirit gives you new graces and new favor that you never knew anything about before you met Christ. The old is gone. Any struggle you had with the old self, it's gone. You have everything new, fellowship with the Spirit. If you have any tenderness, This is an enthusiastic, wholehearted sensitivity for one another. Tenderness is an enthusiastic, wholehearted sensitivity. And then it says, if you have compassion, if you have a genuine concern for the well-being of one another, both temporally here and now and for all of eternity, then he says, verse two, make my joy complete by being like-minded Having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Everyone say, same love. Say, one in spirit. Say, one in purpose. You may be thinking, no, 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 that's not my family. We, we operate on different scales of love and spirit and purpose. And maybe you feel that way in your marriage. Men, let me remind you of two, two rules that were taught to me 11 years ago about how to have a healthy, thriving, flourishing marriage. <clears throat> Rule number one. The wife is always right. I apologize for the gentleman that just got elbowed. Uh, And by the way, this isn't biblical. This is just passed down through the generations. Just want to clarify. Uh, But but the wife is always right. Rule number two, when she's wrong, refer to rule number one. She's just never wrong. But if you think about it in our marriage relationships and our relationships with our parents and our children and our siblings, What kills our ability to love is this sniper that's always aiming right at your chest, and its name is pride. Pride is the sniper that completely rids us of the ability to love and to share with one spirit and one purpose. As C.S. Lewis once said, pride is the mother hen under which all other sins are hatched. There are 12 words that could completely transform your life. There are 12 words that could not only strengthen your relationships, but could heal your broken relationships. And for the sake of putting words that you hear in your ears and then go to your heart, we want to put them into practice with our mouths today. So I'm going to state these 12 short words, four short statements, and I would invite you to repeat them after me just for the sake of accountability and practice, okay? These are words that you could put into practice today in your home. Nod your head if you're with me. Yes, I'm going to repeat after you. I'm going to practice this. Ready? Here we go. I am sorry. sorry. See, I hear a lot of people that aren't wrong very often. Come on, let's practice this. I am sorry. sorry. I was wrong. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. I hope that felt good to say. Because for many of us those are words that we don't often use. To one another, to those that we love and cherish. We get in disagreements and we get into these quarrels in our families and we cannot, due to our pride, approach one another in humility, confess that we've been wrong, ask for forgiveness and express our love to one another. We let things linger. We let grudges grow in our hearts. You know, I'm reminded of when Paul said, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So if all of our minds collectively are placed on the same thing, the same place, the same Father in heaven, here on earth we're going to have disagreements. The body of Christ, marriage, family, siblings, parents, all of that is not about agreeing all the time. It's about letting our love for one another flourish despite our disagreements because our minds are set on the same thing. We are one in purpose, we're one in spirit. So, those that you do not see eye to eye with, your love and your relationship can still flourish today. Verse 3 do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Consider others better than yourselves. Possibly you've seen Ron Burgundy in the movie Anchorman, who says, you know, I don't know how to say this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> People know me. I'm, I'm kind of important. He says, I'm not saying that I'm better than you, I'm just on a higher level of life than you are. <laughs> Truthfully, we all kind of get stuck in thinking that about ourselves. Can you imagine, can you imagine not just the world, but can you imagine your own home? Can you imagine the place that your own home could be? If everyone set aside the arrogance and the conceit and the narcissism, the selfishness, clothed themselves with humility as Paul encourages and considers others better than yourself, True humility is making other people the big deal, not yourself. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. True humility is thinking of yourself less. And you know, I realized quickly into marriage, and especially when I became a father, that I cannot fully understand my significance until I fully understand my insignificance. I cannot fully understand my significance as a follower of Christ, a man of God, a husband, a father, a son, a friend, and a brother until I really understand how insignificant I am. That any time I love well, any time I offer grace and forgiveness, any time I promote unity and peace and joy in my relationships, it's not Adam Barnett doing those things. Adam Barnett has been put to death. It's the righteousness of Christ in me. If you see anything good in me, it's not me. It is the Lord. Therefore, I cannot fully understand my significance in my relationships today until I understand my insignificance. Verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests. How many of you today have your own interests? Come on. You're thinking about doing them this afternoon, right? We all have interests. But also look to the interests of others. We need the occasional reminder that the world does not revolve around us. So friends, let me give you this occasional reminder, the world does not revolve around you. It just doesn't. Our lives should be spent revolving our attention, our time, our effort, our energy, our talent, our resources about other people. God's gonna take care of you. Who are you taking care of? Who are you helping? Who are you sowing into? I find it hilarious whenever I hear people say to, to other people, hey, let me know if I can do anything for you. Because let's be honest, like half the time when we say that to people, we're secretly thinking, oh, I just hope that your answer is, no, everything's good, thanks for asking, right? I think we're all guilty of it. Hey, can I, can I do anything for your family? No, we're good, thanks for asking. You walk away like, yes, thank you, I got all that time back now, you know? Let me tell you something today, friends, Every single person has a need. Every single person. Every single person has an interest that's not being met right now. Look to your left, look to your right, and just look all around wherever you go after church today. Every single person you see, meet, talk to, or walk by has a need. And I would dare you to go up and say, what can I do to serve you? I would dare you to pray in the morning, Lord, as it would please you, deliver someone into my agenda today that I may serve, that I may selflessly and sacrificially put put my needs and my interests aside in order to take care of theirs. And even more, pray that in the context of your own home, your spouse, your children, your parents, your siblings. Who can I serve today, Lord, that I might please you? Everyone has a need constantly. When, When you ask someone, what can I do to serve you? If they say nothing, everything's great in life, call them a liar and ask them again. No, what can I do for you today? I want to serve you. I want to put your needs before my own needs. That's, that's a family that will flourish. Verse 5, one of the greatest challenges, your attitude, your tood, as my children call it, should be the same as that of our greatest example of humility and service. Our greatest example of true friendship and grace, mercy, forgiveness, joy, unity, peace, love. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. The conduct, the conduct of Jesus Christ that we we know of through Scripture should inspire and motivate and determine the way that we live today, the way that we interact with one another today. It's the bracelet that passed, that swept through our nation years ago. What would Jesus do? We need that reminder. How would Jesus interact with this person? What would Jesus say in this situation? How would Jesus love this person? So in conclusion, I have a few questions for you. Very practical, personal questions from the statement that I shared earlier. Let's revisit it. That love and humility strip us of our pride and lead us to promote unity and spread joy and restore peace. How is your love today? How is your humility today? How is the unity in your life, in your heart, in your family today? how's, How's your joy? How's your peace? And if you might say to me today, How is it? It's fractured. It's broken. It's gone altogether. I don't have it. I haven't felt love in a long time. I don't have any humility towards this person. Unity, what is that? Joy? We haven't had a good belly laugh in years. And peace, no way. If you would say that you lack any of those, just one, we have a source. We have a source of all things. The provider that can restore love, restore humility, restore unity, restore joy, restore peace. He makes the crooked things straight. He makes the rough edges smooth. He's a healer. And so if you lack any of these things, ask the source today. I'm going to leave you with this challenge again from Philippians 2 verses one through five, and the challenge is to take what you hear and to copy paste it into your home today. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, and if being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart and if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep spirited friends with one another. And don't push your way to the front, and don't sweet talk your way to the top, but put yourself aside and help others to get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand to one another, and think of yourselves the way that Christ Jesus thought of himself. Let's stand together and worship.